On any given day, Central Park is packed with tourists, runners, or people simply out for a walk with their dog. Most people aren't there to take in fine art. For that, they're more likely to visit the nearby Metropolitan Museum of Art or one of the other great cultural institutions in Manhattan. But in many ways, Central Park is in itself an outdoor museum. Hi, I'm George Bodarki, and this is Cityscape. With me in the studio is photographer Katarina Astrom. She's behind the photos in a new book called The Statues of Central Park. Katarina, thanks so much for coming in. Thank you very much for letting me come here. So first of all, you are not native to New York, right? No, I'm not. I come from Sweden, and I've been living in uh, New York since 2001. Or 2000, I came here. Since 2000. Yeah. When was the first time you stepped foot in Central Park? I mean, the first time I came to New York was 1986. So then I, of course, visited uh, Central Park. And I remember it was um, New York Marathon. So, I mean, that was like a big weekend to come (laughs) to New York. Yeah, what a day to visit Central Park. What were your first impressions of the park? I mean, I was impressed of the size, that it was like so enormous, big. I mean, New York is a big city, but the park was like, wow. It's a city where, I mean, every square meter is very expensive. So it's uh, it's impressive that uh, they let so much land go to a park. How does a park like Central Park compare to parks back home in Sweden, where you're from? <sighs> I think they, I mean, Sweden is an older country, so I mean, they probably have older parks too. But um, Stockholm really doesn't have any big parks uh, like the Central Park. When you first visited Central Park, did you take notice of the statues way back when? No. I mean, I must say that I had lived in New York for quite a while before I really paid attention to the statues. I think I am like uh, most New Yorkers. They don't see them. They are just there. Was it your intent with this project to draw attention to the statues, even for native New Yorkers? It was not. It was a friend of mine that is a book publisher. He grew up next to the park, and he he always mentioned that he wanted to make a book about the statues. So I I had done many book projects with him, and I just started for fun to take some pictures. And then I showed him, maybe we should do the book. And that's how it started. So for someone who didn't take notice of the statues the first time around, what did you start to notice about the statues in the park when you actually focused in on them, literally focused in on them? I mean, first of all, that they were so many and that some of them are hidden almost. I mean, it depends on what season it is, if you see them or not. And also that some of them are elevated. Some others you can touch. You can sit down next to Horsey Anderson. And um, I mean, also that you can see that they are from different time periods. Speaking of those that are way up, Duke Ellington is way up, correct? Yeah, yeah, he is, yeah. What an amazing statue that is, though, with a piano and all. Yeah, and I mean, it's uh, it's a lot of people that have said after they've looked through the book, oh, that statue I've never, ever seen before. Yeah, you said some are covered up. That's because of shrubbery? Yeah, some of them are, yes. I mean, a little like, they are a little hidden, I would say. How many statues did you photograph? I mean, oh, I haven't counted them. I should have done that. I mean, we have covered most of the statues. I mean, I think there are some smaller, like there are some benches that's also like uh, are part of the, the the statues. They are not in the book. But otherwise, I think we have very much covered most of them. So um, how many are there in the park? Do you have a number? Uh 
it's 141 sculptures and monuments altogether in the park. How diverse are those sculptures and monuments in terms of what they depict? Uh, I mean, shocking for me was that there was actually no female statues that was honored. Uh, it is um, 23 uh, statues uh, that have figures with women, but none of them are honored women. And the first one will come next year. Yes, Elizabeth Cady Stanton is coming. Yes. And Susan B. Anthony is coming. Yeah, that's correct. And um, they're going to be placed in, in the mall. So. so that was surprising to you that there were no real-life women. Yeah. There are fictional women in yeah. the park, though. Yeah, no, I, I thought that was a little, like, sad to see that, I mean, <laughs> uh, we're living in a, a modern uh, time and that it had not happened before. But uh, at least if it, it will be corrected next year, so that's good news. Do you plan to go back and photograph those two statues? Yeah, maybe we have to new, make a new addition to the book and include that. I think so. As I did mention, though, there are fictional women characters in the park. Yeah. Alice in Wonderland is one of them. Yeah, exactly. And that's probably one of the most uh, loved statues of uh, children. I mean, that's one of those that I remember from an early part of going to the park. Because, I mean, I have a daughter. She was playing at Alice in Wonderland. So. Mother Goose is also in the park. Yeah, I have to say, Mother Goose, I think, is a little scary to me as yeah. a statue. But Did I'm you find fascinated that as well? Of, I'm very fascinated with that statue. Why? Yeah, it's interesting. It's very interesting to photograph, too. And, I mean, it's a massive uh, uh, stone that they have used. I think it was like 13 ton or something like that, the weight of the stone that they carved out the statue. When you came at these statues with your lens, what specifically were you looking to capture? Uh, it was depending on weather. It was depending on season. It was um, almost, I would say, depending on mood. A little like how you saw the statues. They become friends to me. And one thing was that when I started this project, I didn't want to know anything about the statues because I felt that if I know about them, I should probably approach them in a different way. Hmm. So I thought that was good. So you approached them as a stranger. Yeah, I did, very much. But as you just said, they became friends. Yeah, and later on I learned about my friends. So, Which friends surprised you most to know about their past, their history? Uh, I would say that Webster was probably one of those. Daniel that, Webster. Yeah, because um, I, I really didn't like him. I mean, he was—he has a little angry look, and it was like he was always like checking you out. <laughs> he came there with your cameras, and you felt like, hmm, he doesn't allow me to take picture of him. And uh, it was interesting to, to, to read a little about him, and um, that, I mean, he was a politician that was important in America, and um, that the, the sculptor that did the sculpture of him, his name was Thomas Bell, and um, it was Webster that m make him uh, famous. And um, that just before Webster died, he created a little bust. And uh, it became very popular. So they started to mass produce those uh, small statues. And after that, they actually put up the, the statue of him. And he's standing there very high up. And... I think one of my favorite pictures of him was that was taken from distance where he is like between 
the the leaves. Mm. So he's a little like hidden. But that was more how I hidden him from a, sp- a special spot. So did you go back to photograph the same statues during different seasons? Yeah. I had a little route. So um, I was going and starting on 110th Street. And then I was like going down. And I, I usually met all the statues every time when I went to the park. This is a big park. Yeah. A lot of walking, huh? It was a lot of walking. <laughs> very, very much. I had a special pair of shoes that they were really teared down when I was done with the book. I called them my statue shoes. <laughs> they were worn out by the time it was all totally over. Totally worn out, yes. No, but I mean, I this is a kind of book. I mean, it's not that you go there a couple of times and take picture because you want to see them in different season and also the light. It's natural light that I was using. So, I mean, I have to follow where the sun was and if there was any sun. Yeah, how dramatically different is the park during the different seasons? Very much, very much. I mean, the the statues are very empty when the leaves come off the trees. and um, But they can also be, they look like other uh, statues when they get snow on them. And I mean, I, I was there both during a snowstorm or and I was there in a nice winter day with a blue sky too. So, I mean, every different season i mean even different vin- winter shots are different and i think that's fascinated me so much when i took this picture that it gave me freedom to be my own artist in the way i approached them it was not that i should just take a picture of them i could create them the way i wanted it so when you went back in winter for instance if you had already been there in the spring had you looked at those photographs first before you went back to see you know what i want to capture this a different way no oh. No. no, I never do. I mean, I I would say that I did not start to look through the picture before it was done to uh, when it was, was time to start to edit the book. And uh, uh, I, I think that's the way I'm working. I, I don't want to look at others and I don't even want to look at my own picture because I, I mean, I, every uh, photo opportunity was like unique and you find a new way of yeah, taking your p- photos. Based on what you said about the Daniel Webster statue, it seems to me that you, in some ways, put personalities into these statues. Yeah. Is that true? Yeah. Yeah, I think I did. You said he was a little obnoxious. Yeah, he was a little like, you felt like, oh, are she coming now again and take photos of me? (laughs) (laughs) Who would you say was the friendliest? I really love the the Burnett uh, fountain that I also choose to have on the cover because I, I think it's a very friendly statue and uh, I love when uh, the bronze birds in the statue meets the real birds. I think that's uh, that's really a very beautiful moment. Many of the statues in Central Park depict animals, right? Yeah, there are several animals, yes. We have, of course, Balter that most people, if they don't know about any other statues in the park, they, have, they know about uh, Balter. For those who have never met Balto, tell us about Balto. Uh, I mean, Balto, he was a dog, and he he saved a lot of people in Alaska because it was a diphtheria um, epidemia um, there, and they couldn't reach uh, a town with a medication that was needed. And um, the only way that they decided, because there was no train, there was no, uh, they, they could not fly there even. Dogs, uh, sled dogs was the only way that they could approach this uh, town. So, I mean, 
the whole world followed him uh, on radio when they were going there. Does he come across as a protector, the statue? Yeah, maybe. One statue that a lot of runners look up to in Central Park is the statue of Fred LeBeau. Yeah, I mean, he he was the the founder of the New York Marathon. And um, what is fascinating with that statue, I mean, first of all, I mean, he's the only one in a baseball hat, and um, he's also looking down on his uh, wrist where he has his watch. And um, that statue, it uh, moves every year to the goal line of the New York Marathon. So he welcomes everybody when they go over the goal line. I, I like that. I mean, it's such a diversity of, of all those statues. I mean, there is, uh, I would say, the only one that are like uh, typical classic statues. It is uh, uh, the one that are in the literary um, the, the, at the mall. Uh, I mean, it is like uh, Shakespeare, uh, Columbus. I mean, they are like statues that you can find in many other places. So they are not so unique compared to uh, some others. And I, I like that, that it's not only like those very famous people. It mm. is some that are a little less famous. And uh, one of those um, that are uh, in the the mall it is this uh, Fritz Green Halleck. I mean, he is probably one of the less uh, known poets. But was what was interesting with him was uh, when um, the, they put up the statue, um, the U.S. President Rutherford B. Hayes was there, and it was a crowd of over 10,000 people there. So, I mean, he was not that famous, but the statue was almost... Oh, absolutely famous. As you mentioned, the Central Park Mall includes a literary walk. Shakespeare is there. Christopher Columbus, but Christopher Columbus is the odd man out because he's not part of the literary scene. Yeah, I mean, he's a little, like, off those two. So, I mean, uh, he's standing there with his flag. He also looks a little like, yeah, am I really on the right place? (laughs) (laughs) He's wondering himself. I mean, that's how I see him when he's standing there. It is like uh, he's questioning. I I don't know. I mean, it's just my way of seeing it. (laughs) He's questioning, should I be in the literary walk? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What would you say is the most unique statue in the park? Oh, most unique. I mean, they are also different. I mean, uh, one that I really like, it is uh, the cougar, the still hunt. Because, I mean... He just shows up there, and you almost think that is that real? Or and I, th- I think it's a lot of runners that have get very scared when they've been running there, and he just uh, shows up there up in the mountains. And yeah. he can also look very beautiful when it, the fall color, and also in winter. Yeah, that cougar looks like he's about ready to jump, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, or she? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, we don't know if it's <laughs> he or she. <laughs> what about the statue of Romeo and Juliet? Yeah, I, I think it is a very beautiful. It's uh, very sensational, very romantic. It's uh, it's very different from all the other statues, I would say. Absolutely. In what way? I mean, it's very slim, and it's um, it just have a beauty. A lot of people will pay high ticket prices to see Hamilton on Broadway, but you can see Hamilton in Central Park. Yeah, you can do absolutely, and he has a perfect spot behind the Metropolitan Museum. 
And uh, I, I think he's a, he's a very interesting guy. Uh, and uh, I, I also found out that we are born the same day, so maybe that's uh, why I'm fascinated <laughs> of him. But, I mean, he, he, he was born in... Uh, in the Caribbean, and he was a wedlock and an orphan by age 12. And he came to America, and, I mean, he became one of the fathers of America. So, yeah, he's a very... And I, I like that statue very much. He really changed during the season. He's one guy in winter and another in uh, the springtime. Yeah, how? Yeah. How so? What do you see differently? I mean, the background you have. He has all the, the trees in the background. That uh, really makes it very different. Hamilton is also an example of a statue that you sort of have to go a little bit out of your way to see up close because he's not right on the roadway there. He's a little bit inside. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Central Park is also home to a king, or at least a statue of one. I I call him the Poland. And, um, I mean, he he was a Duke of Lithuania, and he married a queen of uh, Poland. And... um, I mean, his real name is Jagir. I can never pronounce it, Jagielo. And um, he that's one of the most powerful of the statues, I would say. And um, He's on horseback, am I correct? Yes, he's on a horse, yes. Mm-hmm. And then he has two swords, mm-hmm. one in each, and he's crossing them. That one came to the World, uh, ex- uh, world Fair that they had in Flushing. And uh, then they were supposed to send it back to Poland. But um, that was during the World War II. So Poland was occupied by the Nazis. So they couldn't send it back at that time. And uh, when the war was over, um, Poland decided that uh, to give the statue to Central Park. How did you find all of these statues yourself? Did you have a map that depicted exactly where all of these statues are? Yeah, I looked up a map just to see where they are. And... Um, some of them was like almost difficult to find in the beginning, and then I know where they were, so then it was easy. So a little bit of a scavenger hunt. Yeah, it was, definitely. Sometimes when people see someone else taking a photograph, they stop and take a photograph themselves. Did that happen a lot when you were out and about? Yeah, it was very often that people were like uh, wondering, why do you take so many pictures? And uh, why are you taking them from that side? I mean, that's the back of the statue. And so then I, I started... Yeah, so that I, I'm working on a book project, so yeah. And they, then they start to ask me a lot of questions and uh, about what was my favorite and yeah, things like that. Do you have an absolute favorite? I don't think I have an absolute favorite, but I, I must say that uh, the brunette is one of them. And it's also the location of that one. Abs- uh, most people, they don't know it because, I mean, it's uh, in the conservatory garden and it's a place of the Central Park, that you go there if you know where it is. Mm-hmm. And if you don't, it's maybe a little too north for a lot of people. That starts down on 59th Street. Central Park is home to a statue of Hans Christian Andersen, right? Yeah. And, I mean, I'm from Scandinavia, so, of course, it is um, a very interesting um, statue for me. Um, because, I mean, I when I was a kid, uh, that was the kind of stories that, uh, yeah, they read for me. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, he's very well known in Scandinavia, that's for sure. But there is actually another um, Danish statue, too, that is um, uh, of um, Albert Bertel Torvaldsen. And he is, um, there is probably no, none that know about him. 
Yeah, who here. was he? What did he do? He he was a um, sculptor, and he was from from uh, Copenhagen. He was pretty famous, and uh, this is the only sculpture that is made by uh, an artist that you find in the park, and it's actually a replica from from uh, the original that you can find in Copenhagen. And the original is in granite. This one is in bronze. And it's close to Mount Sinai Hospital, if you walk in from there. Are there any statues in the park that left you scratching your head, wondering, wow, why is there a statue of this person in the park? No, I don't think so. And it was probably also because I didn't know about who they were when I was working on the book. So, I mean, I was open to everyone. Did you do this all in one year, four seasons, one year? Uh, I would say I did most of it in one year, and then I went back uh, once in a while. How many photographs would you say you had all together that you had to go through? Wow, I can't even imagine. Uh, I don't know how many it was, but I mean, that's my job. I'm a photographer. I'm used to go through picture. But what was very nice was that... um, they let me choose the picture and they also let me be part of the layout because, I mean, as a photographer, you know which picture that matches another one. And uh, that was fun. That was fun for me to to work on that too because I was like to see all the pictures with new eyes. What kind of camera do you use? Uh, I use Nikon. And that's digital? It's a digital, yes. Yeah. I would imagine you didn't start on digital, did you? No, I started on film. And I, I still miss film. What do you miss about it? I think you were thinking much more before you took a picture. Um, now you just click. Oh, another one. Click, 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 click. And then you have tons of people uh, pictures to go through when you're ready. Uh, I think that you were thinking before and um, you were also using your skills a little bit more. You were like looking at where is the sun? No, this is not going to work. And uh, I I mean, I had an automatic light meter in my head when I was using film. I could look up and see, oh, this is uh, aperture at C and so. I know it. Uh, I don't have that train anymore, it feels like. What inspired you to get into photography? I was uh, I was only eight years old when I bought my first SLR camera. Huh. I worked an entire summer on my grandfather's. Um, he had garment fi- uh, factories. And uh, I was working there and I was picking strawberries and I was saving and I did not have enough. I had to borrow some money from my father too. And I bought a Minolta 101B. I still have that camera. Huh. And... Uh, I don't know why I bought it. I was fascinated from a very early age about photography. And what would you take pictures of as an eight-year-old? Uh, I arranged pictures. I loved to, like, to, I took on my toys and I took on other things. And I was just fascinated that uh, you could take a photo of almost everything. And then I got into the dark room and that was, like, fascinated. But the thing was, I never, ever thought about becoming a photographer. I don't even thought about it as a job. It was a hobby. Yeah, it was just something that you just did. It was like no big deal. And wherever I lived, I had a dark room. It was either in the kitchen or in the bathroom. And it has always been like that. So then what did you become professionally early on in your life? If you I was dreamed about to become a doctor. Um, I got bad advice in school. 
And they say, if you're going to be a good doctor, you should be a nurse first. So I ended up as a nurse. And I felt after a little while, this is not my thing. I'm going to be a horrible nurse. After some years, I'm going to be like not happy myself. So I I stepped back and then I thought, what else did I want to do in life? And then I was journalist. So, okay, I want to be a journalist. And uh, when I went to talk to a person about uh, how you can become a journalist, she was laughing at me. She said, do you know that that's the hardest work you can get? I mean, there is no jobs and it's so big competition. And that's really, I, I'm a Capricorn and uh, <laughs> I'm very stubborn. So then I was like, I'm going to make it. And I did. I went to school and after school, I applied at every newspaper and magazine in Sweden. I got one job. I only needed one job. And there I started my career. As and, a writer or a photojournalist? No, as a writer. As a writer. And then they find out very quick that I was good in taking pictures. So then they very often send me out with a camera too. And um, the step to become a professional photographer I took when I moved to New York because I felt, oh, my God, this is going to be tough. I'm a freelancer journalist. I'm going to write in Swedish. Why should I not bring out my camera? I know how to take pictures. So I did that. And that's uh, when it started. Um, so what was your first professional job as a photographer here in New York? Uh, I mean, I, I did two books when I came to New York, about uh, one about Swedish Christmas and one about Swedish uh, home cooking. Uh, that was probably the, the first real photo project that I did. And then I started to... I, I work as a correspondent for the largest weekly magazine in Sweden, so I started to take all my pictures for my jobs there. So you said it was 2000 when yeah. you first came to mm-hmm. live in yeah. New York. Yes. Were you photographing a lot outside of work, just going around town and taking yeah, pictures? Yeah, I, I love to take street pictures. So I took a lot of street pictures in New York. Absolutely. I mean, it was overwhelming to to take all those pictures of this big city. And I mean, when especially when the snow came and people, I always heard about that they were skiing down Fifth Avenue and they were <laughs> actually doing it. So, I mean, that was um, very fascinating. So getting back to your career change from nurse to photographer, how old were you about? I was 24, I think I was, when I decided to to change career. So what would your advice be to someone who is in that position, thinking about a career change, maybe even about getting into photography? Yeah. No, I, I think that you should really... Uh, follow your passion. I think it is, um, It's life is too short to just do something that you decided one day that you should um, uh, choose as a job if you realize that this was not me. Don't stay in it. Do something. It's, it's not worth just staying in it. And uh, I think when my daughter, when we, we talked about uh, what she should do in life, I always told her, go for your passion because every job is difficult. If you do it with your passion, you can always succeed. I think that's uh, very important. That you, I think you work a little harder if it is something that you really want to do. One thing that I noticed in this book is that there aren't photos of people interacting with the statues. We're solely focused on the statue. Mm. Deliberate. It, it was a little like um, when I started to take the picture and say, don't have any people in, because I, I think it has to do with um, the, the rights. But uh, on the other hand, it is on public place, so then it should not be part of it, I don't think. 
But uh, yeah, um, no, I, I didn't want to involve people because I felt that maybe I have to ask for permission if I'm going to have it. How frequently do you go to Central Park now? Yeah, I mean, I, I love to go there. I mean, every chance I get, I go there. Absolutely. Do you see it differently after this project? Yeah, I do. I feel like I'm part of the park. And that, I mean, especially the first time when I just have got the book. It was fantastic. I felt when I stepped in, wow, I'm part of this park now. <laughs> <laughs> and you stop by to see old friends, right? Yeah, I do. I, I still feel them like, like my friends. And... Um, uh, I think I'm going to try to keep it that way. I Because, I mean, they gave me a lot when we were working on this project together because that was really what it was. It was a project together. If you had an opportunity to talk with one of them, which one would it be? What questions would you want to ask? Ooh. I mean, I, of course, I would like to talk to Hans Christian Andersen and hear about uh, where he got all these stories from that I had grown up with. That would be... Very nice. Well, the book is The Statues of Central Park. Katerina, thank you so much for coming in. Thank you very much. If you'd like to learn more about the work of photographer Katerina Astrom, visit her website, astromphoto.com. And that's it for this week's Cityscape. I'm George Bodarki. My thanks to producer Maddie Bristow. And thank you so much for listening. 